God is great, isn't he? God is so great. And I think we, we, when we're reminded about that, it causes us to dream and do things that, that we know we can in him. We're going to go through a series and we're kickstarting it today, the cure for the common trial, because we all go through trials. We all need to be reminded from time to time that, that there is a God who loves us, who is so great that he's able to help us through the common trials that we go through, because we all experience trials Life is made up of trials. Yesterday, we were at the Mary Monarch Parade, and we got there early. By the way, outstanding parade, and everyone did an excellent job. Great weather. God kept the rain away and gave us some, some shade in the uh, overcast. But just, uh, just watching what took place yesterday, so beautiful, and we, we live in a wonderful place. But we got there a little early so we could get a good spot. And I tell you, there is a parade before the parade. If you're there early and you watch the traffic that goes through, the people that break the laws, amazing. I mean, it's like you got to find a place to park. So you just, there's, there's no more laws at that point. I mean, even our mayor was okay with it. It just had to take place. But we were watching before the parade and so much action. There were cars going through and they had to block it off so that they could get ready for the parade. But some people found their way in the wrong place and they had to find themselves to get into uh, the fields to park. And there was this one time where we saw uh, like a little jam, a little traffic jam. But I think someone was trying to get into another lane but didn't have their blinker on. Hopefully this wasn't you, and if it is, just laugh with all of us. Don't Just be incognito. But they were trying to get into the other lane, and the person next to them were thinking, what are you doing? And so they honked their horn, beep, beep. And I'm thinking, I should have filmed this, throw this on YouTube or something. But they're trying to cut in, and then uh, finally they got in, and a little bit of action, but then the, the person in the front rolled down their window. And I'm thinking, oh man, this is, she's going to tell this person they're number one or something. And so they rolled down their window and kind of was like, I'm sorry. And so there's a little dialogue, you know. I, I don't know how we do that, but we dialogue without words. But you're kind of mumbling. You're like, I'm sorry. person in the back is like, what were you doing? And then she did this. What? Like that. Was one tutu. I was like, oh, auntie, you just go. It's like, what? I was here when this road was dirt. Don't tell me what to do. And so we had a little bit of action and we were watching that. And I thought, boy, every day we come against trials of some kind, even in traffic. And they were going like a full solid two miles an hour. It wasn't even moving and we had action. But we all face these kinds of trials. We all hit certain marks in our life where it's a difficult season. But we want to learn through this series how we can do better when it comes to trials. One of the things that we learn, especially throughout the Bible, is, is taking risks. But we don't just want to take risks. We want to take wise risks. Say that word wise with me. Ready? Go. Wise. One more time. Wise. We want to take wise risks. Many of us will risk for the sake of, ah, be adventurous, just go for it. But in the end, we find out, shucks, that wasn't a wise risk. That wasn't something I should have taken a risk at. But we take risks. And then sometimes we feel that, oh, I'm, I'm still young, I can do this. Next thing you know, your back is out, your leg is out, your neck is out. You didn't take a wise risk. And I thought, where is the best place to find risk takers? Is it in skydivers? 
What about those who parachute or those who, who do extreme sports? Is that where we can find wise risk takers? What about in our kids, in our children? Do they, can we learn from them in taking wise risks? What about our teenagers? Because even as children, when we were growing up, we all took risks. We climbed trees. We, we, you know, we rode on the hood of the car. We, we stood on the hood of the car. We, we surfed the car. We took risks, but it wasn't a wise risk. Thank God we're still alive. If we look at our life, right, many of us should not even be sitting here. But now we correct our children in the things we used to do. They're on the tree and say, hey, get down, you're going to get hurt. We were up there. We used to do that. But for some reason, and I think it's through wisdom, because we fell off the tree, broken arm, neck, back, leg, whatever. Now we say, that's not wise. But we correct those who, used to, who are doing the things we used to do. See, we're all going to take risks. But we want to take wise risks. There's a place in the Bible that talks about taking risks. And it's, it shows us how we can take not just risks, but wise risks. I love this poem. It says, there once was a very cautious man. He never laughed. He never played. He never risked. He never tried. He never sang. He never prayed. And when he suddenly passed away one day, his insurance was denied. They figured since he never really lived, he never really died. And I thought, many of us, we go on the other side of the extreme and we never risk at all. And it could be from a hurt or a past mistake or, or maybe we've seen somebody else make a mistake or maybe we've gone through so much hurt or pain or suffering that we've said, no, I'm going to build this wall. I'm going to put myself in a corner and I'm just going to do life as a routine. Not going to risk anymore. But again, we don't just want to risk, we want to take wise risks. Then I thought, I, I love movies. And I, I like action movies and you know thrillers like that. I thought probably the best place to learn about taking risks is through spies. That's the best place. Spies. You know, when you watch movies, there's a spies. They take the most risks, but they take wise risks. In the Bible, there's 12 spies that we're going to learn from. We're going to learn what it means to take not just risks, but wise risks. So we are going to learn from the best of the best. The 12 spies. Spies that can come into our lives and show us how we can be wise risk takers. Okay, cut the spy music. Cut the spy thing. You guys are so easily entertained. I didn't even get paid for, do for doing that. But here's what we want to look at. Here's a risk. Here's a risk. The possibility of loss or injury. A chance of loss. See, risks are different than a decision. A decision is a determination, a, a, a determination arrived after consideration. So usually what happens is we think about something, we make a decision, and then we take the risk. But we want to learn not just to make decisions, not just to take risks, but take wise risks.
I think when it comes to us struggling through things and struggling with making a decision and then taking a risk, sometimes we hesitate because we're struggling with something already. Maybe you struggle with an addiction and then you decide to go out with your friends and then now you're thinking to yourself, boy, they're still caught up in the addiction you're trying to get over. And now that wasn't a wise risk. Maybe, maybe in your relationship there's an issue and then you decide to do what you know you shouldn't do. That could cause more harm than help. And then later on you think, ah, oh, man, I, that wasn't a wise risk. Maybe you've been taking shortcuts in life or at work and maybe doing some things that you know is not, wrong, uh, not right or appropriate. And you think to yourself, well, everyone does it. You risk your job, you risk your marriage, your family. But it's a risk you still take. But you find out in the end, it wasn't a wise risk. I think we all take risk in life, but we want to take wise risks. We're going to learn from these 12 spies how to take wise risks, but not just any spy. We're going to learn from some godly spies the story is found in Numbers chapter 13. And let me just give you some background of where we are in, in this story. The nation of Israel, which was brought together by God, he had called his people to become a nation to represent him so the rest of the world could see what kind of God he is. Well, they are now enslaved in Egypt. And so God sets them free. In fact, the Pharaoh of Egypt didn't want them to go free because they needed the, the Israelites to do their work. They had them doing slave work for the Egyptians. And he said, no, we're not going to let you go. And they said, you got to let us go. We need to worship our God. This is not who we are. And the Pharaoh says, no, nope, not going to let you go. Well, God sends the 12 plagues and the land is devastated. Finally, the Pharaoh says, you know what? You guys got to get out of here. You guys are, you guys are ruining our land. Well, Moses leads the people out of Egypt, but they come against an obstacle, a big trial. It's the Red Sea. And they're standing at the shore of the Red Sea, but they rely on God. God parts the Red Sea, and they march across dry land onto the other side, heading into the promised land that God said He was going to give to them. Now, they could have relied on their own, them own, their own selves. They, they could have said, you know what? All of you who can swim, you better start swimming because here come the Egyptian army and they're going to get us. So jump in the water and go for it. If you can't swim, go grab some boards and jump on some logs or something. Jump on that, I don't know, that log and go get one stick and paddle board and get across there. Maybe that's where canoes came from. I don't know. But they could have done that. But they relied on God, not their own intellect and knowledge and logic. And God parted the Red Sea. So now here they are in the wilderness. And they're entering into the promised land. Well, now they got to get there and they have to do some things. And so God says this, and it's found in your notes, Numbers 13, 1 and 2. And the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the children of Israel. From each tribe of their fathers, you shall send a man. Just to let you know that your notes are in your bulletin and you can take that out and there's some scripture there and, and a place where you can follow along. 
But God said, you know, I am giving this land to you. And if you are taking notes, can you circle that, those three words? I am giving. Because God is. He's a giver. And He's letting them know that here's my promise. I'm going to give you a land that you should dwell in. This land is given to you. And so go into this land, but go and spy it out first. And he sent 12 spies in there. Now they're in the land and they're spying it out. And they figure some things out. And they learn some things and then they come back and they give their report. You see, when it comes to trials in life, taking risks can make life better or worse, depending on if we were wise in taking the risk. And so these spies go out, they come back, and they say, you know, God said it, it, it's a great land. Yes, it is flowing with milk and honey. Yes, it is fruitful. Yes, there are, there are things that we can use there. It's a great land that we could live in. And they give that report. Now, you might be in a place where you say, boy, I want to take risk. And yeah, I understand God has promises for me, but it doesn't seem like it right now. I'm in this position in my life, and I don't, I don't see that God is doing something in my life. I can't see that there's a promise that God has for me. I, I don't know where I am with the promises of God, and I don't know if I'm in a place that, that I can persevere through. Or maybe you're discouraged, and you're thinking, boy, I, I hit trials all the time. How can God say that He has promises for me? How can I take wise risks? Well, here's what they did. And number one, you can write this in. They asked themselves some tough questions. And that's something we can learn. Ask tough questions to ourselves. And not just risk for the sake of taking risks, but really ask some tough questions. No one else will do this for us. We're the only ones that are accountable to ask ourselves some tough questions. Otherwise, due to emotions or feeling or logic, we're going to take risks. But it may not be a wise risk. Here's how it says in Numbers 13, 17 through 20. Then Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan and said to them, Go up this way into the south and go up to the mountains and see what the land is like. Whether the people who dwell in it are strong or weak, few or many. Whether the land they dwell in is good or bad. Whether the cities... They inhabit are like camps or strongholds, whether the land is rich or poor, and whether there are forests there or not. So he's given them like a checklist of questions or like a questionnaire to answer. Then he says this, be of good courage, be of good courage and bring some of the fruit of the land. Now the time was the season of the first ripe grapes. And so they go into the land, they spy out the land for 40 days. And they bring back the fruit of the land, which is plentiful. And they bring this news back. And when Moses tells the spies to go, he's not just telling them, go into the land and make your decision rationally or make a decision with exuberant excitement and, and because you feel that, oh, this is possible. See, we've got to ask ourselves some tough questions. We've got to survey the land I'm sure the first day they went there and they saw the possibilities, they probably could have came back and said, everything looks good. Everything looks great. We can do this. But they said, wait a minute. We got God said to go there for 40 days. 
And so they did for 40 days. And they didn't just make decisions rationally, but they asked some tough questions. But when you ask yourself some tough questions, stay on God's side. That's what they did. They stayed on God's side and they said, yes, it looks all great, but we got to think this through. The Bible says in Proverbs 20, 25, it says, don't trap yourself by making a rash promise to God and only later counting the cost. In other words, it, it, the Bible is saying, you gotta, you got to think these things through. Ask the tough questions. If you're going uh, for a, a surgery, ask questions. Ask tough questions. That's a, that's a risk you're going to take, but you want to you wanna take wise risks. Ask the questions. If you're going to invest in something, invest in a home or invest in a business, ask the tough questions up front. If you're going to do business with someone, ask the tough questions. If you're going to make a, 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 a risk in, in marriage, ask tough questions while you're dating and courting. Ask the tough questions before it becomes tough. Because you can solve them before going through the trials. Ask the tough questions. Nobody else is going to do that for you. Sometimes what we do is we just go for it, and then later on we start dealing with the tough stuff. But we can ask ourselves the tough questions. See, I think the typical risk routine looks like this. I know the risk, but I'm going to pursue it without God's input, without going to church or hearing God's word. Then I make mistakes and then pick up the Bible. Then I come to church. Then I come to God trying to fix it. And we put God last. And if you're there and that's where you are in life, the good news is God can still help. But now He's helping us fix things, not entering into the promised land. He's helping us deal with the junk that we could have dealt with just by asking some tough questions and dealing with on the front side. Many have found it a whole lot wiser to put God first, attend church, hear God's Word, learn about God, learn about His voice, get to know Him and recognize His voice, praying to Him. And then the risks that are taken will be based on a biblical framework of God's goodness. That's the difference when we ask ourselves some tough questions and we put God first. Heidi and I were uh, involved in this one agency where they, could, they would um, uh, do photography and they would uh, help do commercials and things like that. Well, there was a, an opportunity that came here and this one person was saying, you know, uh, if you can get a group of people together, we're going to do some auditions for this one movie we're going to be shooting on Oahu uh, with Kevin Costner. So grab a group of people together and we'll pick out of them a couple people to do this movie. And so we're all excited. And so we turn in all of our paperwork and the, the agency we were working with, they said, let me check on some things and then I'll call you back and then we can pursue and, and move forward. Well, I get a call from the executive producer who's going to produce this movie. And he says, you know what? We, we, the, the process and, and the, the deal with this agency fell through. So we're just going to go straight on with the, the people. And your name was selected. And I said, really? And they said, yeah. So, uh, but you need to fly to Oahu immediately because we need to do some screening and things like that and make sure you have your actor's license and all these things. So I was all excited. And so I told Heidi, I said, Heidi, they picked me out of everyone. She goes, really? I said, yeah. So here's what we have to do. I have to fly to Oahu, so I've got to pack my bags, and they're going to meet me in town. They're going to pick me up, take me to the airport, and then we're going to fly over and, and 
it's going to be great. And she said, well, I think we should pray. I said, okay, let's pray. And so we prayed, but I already had the answer inside. So my prayer was like, Lord, I pray that all goes well. And I pray that if this is your will, then may it be done. Amen. And I, I was going to do it regardless if I heard God or not. Have you ever prayed a prayer like that? Like, I'm going to do this anyway, but Lord, I pray to you and I ask you for direction. I ask for your, your wisdom and your strength. Amen. And you go ahead and risk anyway. Yeah, we prayed to God, but we didn't hear God. So they call me and they say, okay, everything's arranged. But you, do you have your actor's license number? I said, I don't even have an actor's license. Well, I don't even know what that is. And they said, oh, you know what? To make time shorter, and actually we can save you money, is if you wire us some money. Yeah, that should have been an indication. It wasn't. I was like, yeah, movie star, movie star, movie star. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, can do. I said, Heidi, they need some money that we can wire. She said, what? No, we ain't wiring money. I said, come on, Heidi. Well, you don't believe in me? You don't want to support me? You don't think I can do this? She goes, no, I think you can, but th- that's a lot of money. I said, well, let's borrow from some people. We can do this. She said, I don't, I don't know. I said, come on, this is great. And so we wired the money. And I waited for them in town. They never came. <laughs> the agency called and said, hold up, you guys. Don't get in contact with these people. It's a fraud. So why never tell me in the first place? And they said, why, did you do anything? I said, uh, just wired some money. And so Heidi and I got together. And, and thank God for Heidi. You know, she didn't put me down or anything. She just said, but at least... I thought she was going to say, at least we learned. She goes, at least you learned. <laughs> I thought that was genuine. She said, at least you learned. I said, oh, man. But did you, you know, even after that, I didn't learn. People came with me with all kinds of business opportunities. I threw money in it, came out to nothing. I continued to do that. And, and Heidi stood by my side. And she said, well, at least you're learning. You're learning. And you know what is interesting? I prayed. On all those instances. But I didn't ask myself the tough questions. Is this true? Is this of you, Lord? Is this something that we're doing together as a married couple? Or is it something I want? Is it a flesh thing? Or is it something that you're doing? See, when you ask yourself the tough questions, you save yourself from dealing with the tough trials. We can nip all of those things in the front. Getting into a relationship, even as a young person, before you get into a relationship, ask yourself some tough questions. If you're a Christian, ask yourself, do they believe in God? And if they say, yeah, I believe in God, okay, what God? The one true God, the one who sent us Jesus Christ, do you believe in Jesus Christ? Oh, no, no, I just believe in every God. You might be running into some problems later on in life. Ask the tough questions. If you're going to get married, see where you are financially. You don't know if that other person is in debt, $50,000, $100,000, and then you get married and they say, oh, by the way, here's our bills. Our? That's not our bills. That's your bills. But you already start off on a rocky foundation. Ask the, don't now, don't go dating and say, are you in debt? Because I ain't dating you if you're in debt. I think you know what we mean. Ask the tough questions. Luke 14, 28, it, it puts it this way. It says, don't begin until you count the cost. For who would begin construction of a building without first calculating the cost to see if there is enough money to finish it? 
See, when they spied out the land, counting the cost and taking time to think, even though it felt like 40 days to them, they still took time to think things through. They had to ask the tough questions. 40 days sometimes could feel like forever. But the 40 days were passing by. Sometimes it feels like you're wasting precious time because you're asking these questions, but you're taking time to think things through. It could be 40 days that you're thinking through something. It could be 10 days, two hours. It could be 10 years that you're processing something. Take time to think things through because it's going to be a risk. But we don't want to take risks. We want to take wise risks. So your second point, you can write this, is to take time to think. Take time to think. Some of us, we don't take enough time to think things through, especially with emails and text messaging and autocorrect. We write an email, we don't look who we're sending it to or replying to, we send it and then we're like, no, I already sent it. And you're talking about the person that you're sending it to. This morning, we have our youth, and they're doing a bake sale, and you can check them out after. And they have these malasadas that I'm drooling over, but I don't eat until after service. But uh, my son got a text message this morning, and he's supposed to bring some baked goods. And the text message said, I hope you're on your way up, and I hope you're baked good. (laughs) And I thought... That don't make sense. Like, you're tanned now? You're in the sun? But I think we know what they mean. I think sometimes we want to hurry up and get it through, get it done with, that we never take the time to think about things. And especially when it comes to our life, we got to think things through. That's why God said, take these 40 days, spy out the land. There's going to be much thought that you need to take into this. And so they did. Sometimes even moving into a new place takes some time to think things through. Is it the, wise, the wisest thing to do? Normally, we don't really think things through and then we crash and burn in the end and then we have the, I should have done this, I could have done this. Numbers 13.25 They returned from spying out the land after 40 days. And so they bring back this report that we can do this. It is flowing with milk and honey. But then, here comes the fear that will come in as we come against the trials and obstacles and then even in taking some risks. They said, but the people are too strong for us to overcome. We can't do this. So they cried and wept all night, and all the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron, who were the leaders. And they said, if we only died in the land of Egypt or died in the wilderness. So now it's like they'd rather be enslaved and die in the wilderness than to take over that land. Because they said, it's just too hard for us. Did you know that complaining stops us from entering into the promises of God? And when we complain... We're showing God that He's not able. And if we only complain about what is not happening, then we can never enter into the promises of God that can be happening. And complaining stops that. Watch God's reaction to this and His response. Numbers 14, 26 through 30. And the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron saying, How long shall I bear with this evil generation who complain against me? 
I have heard the complaints which the children of Israel make against me. Say to them, as I live, says the Lord, just as you have spoken in my hearing, so I will do to you. Now watch this. The carcasses of you who have complained against me shall fall in this wilderness. All of you who were numbered according to your entire number from 20 years old and above, except for Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, and Joshua, the son of Nun, you shall by no means enter the land which I swore I would make you dwell in. Instead of taking the 40 days to think things through with God, these 10 spies who said, we're not able to, They relied on themselves, what they could see, and logic. Instead of saying, wait a minute, we have have the Spirit of the living God. He's not only going to show us that we can, He's going to show us how we can. Did you notice that God said, they're not complaining to you, Aaron and Moses, they're complaining to me. See, the complaining that comes from our hearts... When we complain against our boss, complain against our spouse, complain against our children, complain against other people, we're really not complaining against them. We're really complaining to God. Because what we're really saying is, God, you put me here, so you need to fix this. Why did this happen, God? Why did that happen? And we complain to God more than we pray to God. And God said, no, no, it's... You're going to deal with some of that complaining. Get it out of you as quick as possible because you have a different spirit. Come to me in prayer, because I will show you how to get through this season. Imagine if our kids only complained to us. First thing in the morning, you cook a wonderful breakfast, their favorite breakfast. And you cook, and you're done. You have this whole spread of breakfast. And then your daughter comes into the, to the kitchen, and she says, What's that noise you was making all morning? I was trying to sleep. You know, I have school today. What are you doing? Making food? Is that for me? Because I'm hungry. Can I just eat already? You make so much noise in the morning. What would you do? Or your son comes in and and you you made the best breakfast. Put out their, their, their clothes for them, their shoes for them and everything. And then they came on and said, Dad, I don't like wearing that shirt. You didn't even iron them. You gotta iron my clothes. That's not the shirt I want. This is the shirt I want. Mom, you never wash clothes. Oh, come on. What you doing all day? Oh, yeah, that's the one. Oh, you dead meat. But watch this. That's how we would feel. We would, like, the kids wouldn't survive. But we do the very same thing with God. We don't even realize it. Sometimes that's how we sound with God himself. And he's saying... You're not going to enter into my promised land. You're not going to enter into the promises that I have for you, that I am giving to you with that complaining heart. In other words, he's saying your heart becomes a carcass. It dies where you can no longer dream. You no longer have a passion for life. You stop living and you only complain. He says, that's not you. Take time to think things through. Pray more than you complain. And the best way to think things through is to think things through with the Lord. Number three, understand this, that God will fulfill His promise. He will always fulfill His promise. See, the question is not, God, will you fulfill your promise? The question is, will I be there 
when his promise is fulfilled. Because that whole generation died off. It was those who were 20 years and below that were able to enter into the promised land. Numbers 14, 31. He says, but your little ones, whom you said would be victims, I will bring in. And they shall know the land which you have despised. God will always fulfill his promise. The question is, am I going to be there to receive his promise? But if I only have this complaining heart, I won't even take wise risks. I'll just stay there and my heart will die. Yeah, but I want to, but this happened before and I don't want to get hurt anymore. This happened before, so I don't want to risk. This happened in our marriage, so I'm not going to take a chance. This happened with our finances, so forget it. We're splitting up. This happened before, so forget this. Or I, I don't want to do this because I'm afraid that this will happen. I don't want to take a risk because I don't want to fail. Yeah, I've tried this before. I tried religion before, but it doesn't work. You and I will always have more reasons why we shouldn't than why we should. It's a 10 to 2 ratio. 12 spies went in, 12 12 came out. 10 said we can't, 2 said we can. Who was right? Both of them were right. If you believe you can't, you can't. If you believe you can, you can but not just to take risks and say, I can. Take wise risks. Here's how we take a wise risk. It's when we take it with the Lord. See, these two spies, Joshua and Caleb, when they took the risk, they weren't just taking the risk. They said, we can. Why? Because they had a different spirit. They knew that it was going to be God, not themselves. See, it's not us who is going to bring about the promised land, the victory, and to overcome. It's going to be the Lord in us. It's His Spirit in us. Your last point. Wise risk takers have a different spirit. They just have a different spirit. It's not naivety. It's not gullible. We're not, you're not a person who is, is just uh, uh, running out and doing whatever you need to do to make things work. You're taking wise risk because you have a different spirit. God has given you as a believer a different spirit. But even though we have this different spirit, we must operate on His spirit that has been given us this different spirit. Otherwise, we'll go through the motions and still crash and burn in the end. Yes, we're going to take risks, but we want to take wise risks. My servant Caleb, he says in Numbers 14, 24. But my servant Caleb, because he has a different spirit in him, has followed me fully. Then he says this, I will bring into the land where he went, and his descendants shall inherit it. Did you know that the risks we take today affect our children tomorrow? Good risks, bad risks. It affects our descendants. That's why it's important for us to understand in taking wise risks. This is where our faith in God comes in. Hudson Taylor, a great man of faith who founded the China Inland Mission, he did many great works for God and he said, unless 
There is an element of risks of risk in our exploits for God. There is no need for faith. You know what he was saying? When you take these risks, and it's of the Lord, and it's His Spirit moving, that's where our faith comes in. Because we're going to have to take risks in our lives, but we don't just want to risk for the sake of taking risks. We want to take wise risks. Numbers 13.30. This is the spirit that Caleb had. And that was in Joshua also. Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and take possession, for we are well able to overcome it. I tell you, that's a spirit that God wants us to have. Taking risks when we're obedient to God and in our favor because God is with us. It may seem like it at times that God is not with us because of the trials we go through, but you stick with God even through the trials, even though they become overbearing or it's an obstacle that we face. Because we have the spirit of the living God, we have a different spirit and we are well able to overcome it. God took a big risk on us. Did you know that? That the God of the universe came into this world, this imperfect world, as the perfect God came into this imperfect world, as Jesus Christ walked among us, loved us. He even risked going to the cross, facing death. But the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising its shame. And the hope was the resurrection the promise that he would come back to life so that he could give us eternal life. God took the biggest risk. And if he risked for us, I think we can risk for him. See, God's cure for the common trial starts with Jesus Christ. Many of us know that. And if anyone knows about taking wise risks, it's Jesus Christ himself. And if he could, and he could persevere, and his spirit lives in us, then there's no holding back. The risk that we take with him will be wise risks. Because he will never leave us, nor forsake us. And he's able to do exceedingly abundantly more than we could ever possibly imagine or dream. Amen. You put away your notes and close your Bibles. We're going to close in prayer and we're going to pray to the God of the universe. Would you bow your heads with me? Lord, we do. We, we fix our eyes on you and we set our hearts on you. We go through different trials in life, obstacles. We're, we're going to take risks in life, but we want to take wise risks. And it starts with you. And so give us vision for our life, for our family. I pray for each of us that the spirit you've given to us, that we would realize that it's a different spirit than that of the world. I pray for those that, they may have never said yes to you. They may have never realized that they could have a personal relationship with you. If you're here this morning and you're saying, yeah, that's me, I, I didn't realize that God really cared about me that much. I didn't realize that He had a purpose for my life, a promise for me. I didn't know that. And you're wondering, how do I, how do I achieve that? How do I have this relationship with God? 
Well, Jesus makes it possible because he came and he paid the price for what we couldn't pay for, and that's our sin. And so if you want to give your heart to Jesus Christ in exchange for his promises and his life for you, with every head bowed and eyes closed, could you just lift a hand and I want to, I want to say a prayer with you. Go ahead, lift the hands. Good. You're saying, I want, I want Jesus in my life. Good. Anybody else? You're saying yes to Jesus. Yeah, I want Jesus in my life. Go ahead. Good. God sees your hands. Good. I want you to pray this prayer with me. In fact, we can all say this prayer. You can put your hands down. And here's a prayer. Let's all say this prayer together. Heavenly Father, forgive me of my sins. Wash me clean. Make me brand new. I believe you died on the cross. I believe you rose again. I believe you have promises for me. I believe you want me to dream. And that you will fulfill all the promises for me. I thank you in Jesus' name. Lord, that's our prayer. That's our heart. Our eyes are fixed on you. And we want to do what's required in your kingdom. We want to do what's best in our lives. And the best way is to find out who you are. To seek after you. To trust in you. And you're the one that's going to help us through the trials in this life. Thank you for teaching us not just to take risks, but in taking wise risks. In Jesus' name we pray and we all said, Amen. Let's congratulate all those that said yes to Jesus Christ.